This morning's scripture comes from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Uh, you can find that in the Pew Bible on page 1, New Testament page 1, large print page 2. And this is the story of the Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea. Wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, asking, Where is the child who has been born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising and have come to pay him homage. When King Herod heard this, he was frightened, and all Jerusalem with him. And calling together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. They told him, in Bethlehem of Judea, for so it has been written by the prophet. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judea, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For from you shall come a ruler who, who is to shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called the wise men and learned from them the exact time when the star had appeared. Then he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word so that I may also go and pay him homage. When they had heard the king, they set out, and there ahead of them went the star that they had seen at its rising until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw that the star had stopped, they were overwhelmed with joy. On entering the house, they saw the child with Mary and his mother, and they knelt down and paid him homage. Then opening their treasure chests, they offered him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they left for their own country by another road. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. This is the first <coughs> Sunday of the new year 2020. United Methodist. All over the world. 13 million United Methodists all over the world are focusing on May the 5th through the 15th in Minneapolis, Minnesota, because that's where the general conference will take place. The good news for us United Methodists is that a diverse 16-member group of United Methodist bishops and other leaders has offered a proposal that we hope will preserve the United Methodist Church while allowing traditionalist congregations to form a new denomination. It is a nine-page proposal, and it is titled Protocol of Reconciliation and Grace Through Separation. It has been released, was released on the 3rd of January, and I'm pretty sure it's available for people to read, and we hope as a church probably to secure a site that members can go and get this proposal 
so that they can read it. <clears throat> now, it is a proposal. A group of people would have to work on it for legislative purpose so that that will be presented to general conference. But it is a step in the right direction at the moment. And those of us who are not involved in general conference as delegate members, we have a responsibility to pray for them that God's will be done. I believe the churches of God, the gates of hell, says Jesus, will not prevail against it. And therefore, if at the moment we have 13 million United Methodists worldwide, it is my hope, it is my prediction that in the next five years, we would have about 20 million United Methodists worldwide. Because I see growth in the future of the church. I see God's presence that will continue to lead us. And I know that with the power of the Holy Spirit, the forces of evil will not destroy the kingdom of God. Pray for us. And when I say us, I mean pray for one another. Because in a nutshell, we are all in it together. Amen? Amen. We are all in it together. May the 5th through the 15th in Minnesota, United Methodists will gather. A vote will be taken. And at the end of that session, we will know God's direction for our denomination. 2020 is also a year for us at Church of the Cross to pray for John, who introduced himself this morning as chair of the SPRC, and the other members of the team, because they will be working hard to have somebody who will continue to serve as pastor of the congregation effective 1st of July 2020. Sometimes we don't take it seriously because we are not part of the team. But right now, as long as we belong to the church, we have to take everything seriously. And if you are not part of the team, you are part of the church. And because you are part of the church, you are part of the team. In other words, your prayers will uplift them. Your prayers will inspire them. Your prayers will give them the energy they need to seek God's vision for the congregation. It might feel like the holiday season is behind us. But we are not quite done with the Christmas season yet. For those of us who are Christians, we know that. We're not quite done with the Christmas season yet. Because today is Epiphany. A day set aside to commemorate God's revelation to the world 
through the person of Jesus Christ. On that first night of his birth, God came to the world in the person of Jesus the Christ. And today, we recognize the manifestation of that birth because Jesus is revealed. The visit of the wise men in the story is the story most closely associated with Epiphany. And at this point, Jesus is revealed to not only the Jewish population, but to the non-Jewish population as a universal savior. On the night in which Jesus was born, the shepherds who witnessed the birth of Jesus Christ were Jews. On this day of Epiphany, the revelation of Jesus Christ extends to the Gentile population because the wise men came from the East. The wise men were Gentiles like me and like you. And so we can say for the first time, Jesus who was born on that Christmas day is now the Savior of the world. On that day, I believe, John 3.16 came into play because the scripture says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And the whosoever includes the Jews and the Gentiles. And on that day of epiphany, the non-Jews came to visit Jesus Christ. According to the Gospel of Matthew, the three wise men followed the star of Bethlehem across the desert to meet the baby Jesus. And they offered him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And these gifts, my friends, were symbolic of the importance of Jesus' birth. They were not just ordinary gifts given to him. They meant something for his birth throughout his life on earth. The gold representing his royal standing. Indeed, the wise men said to Herod, we've come to see the king who was born. The gold representing his royal standing. The frankincense is divine birth. Because we all know that Jesus was not an ordinary birth. Jesus was 100% divine and 100% human. The incarnation story gives us his divine birth. And the myrrh is mortality. Everything from his birth to his crucifixion and resurrection represented in the gift given on that day. And one of the many reasons why Jesus Christ came to earth and revealed to the world is to reconcile humanity to the creator after being separated by sin. We all know the story in Genesis where Adam and Eve disobeyed God and therefore, because of that disobedience, refused to commune with unholy people. 
and it lasted for a long period of time. And one day, God sent somebody to bridge the gap. To bridge the gap. And that person was Jesus the Christ, his only begotten son. And so Jesus came so that we can be reconciled with God. Because God loves us. Because God cares about us. Because God created us and know how special each of us are. And God does not want the gulf that was existing between humanity and God to continue. And so Jesus came. And in this process, humanity is able to recognize their sinful nature and ask the divine for pardon and for forgiveness. Every day, we go to God asking for forgiveness. Because the scripture says, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. A few days before Christmas, our Church of the Cross administrative assistant, Belinda, was driving to the church and there was snow and ice on the road. As a result, she was involved in an accident. As some other driver caused a car, which we communicated by text. And in one of our message exchanges, she replied, and this is what she wrote. Well, I'm good. And my car is $342 repaired better. Just thankful. I'm not physically hurt. Not extremely happy about the wayward driver that got away. And then she concluded with these words, but all is forgiven. All is forgiven. Forgiveness. What a concept. What a concept. And so it was told that three-year-old Holland was arguing with her mom during bedtime. You know how kids do it. So she was arguing with her mom during bedtime. Finally, her mother, Mary, talked the girl in saying firmly, I love you, Holland, but not another word from you tonight. You are going to sleep now. I'm done fussing over stuffed animals. But Holland had one more thing to say to her mother. And she said, Mommy, I forgive you. Her mother didn't know Holland even knew the word forgive. So she asked 
what she meant. And the girl said, it means you were wrong. And I'm tired of being mad at you. And now that I'm going to sleep, my heart won't have a tummy ache because I have forgiven you. That's just about it, my friends, isn't it? When we forgive someone, we aren't condoning their actions. We are saying we are tired of being mad at them. And we are ready to let go of the anger so our hearts won't ache anymore. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. As I was preparing the meditation for the first Sunday of 2020, I said to myself, why did Jesus come? He came for that reconciliation. And reconciliation don't take place properly without forgiveness. And I said to myself, why not start the year by thinking about the people that have wronged you and the people you should forgive as Christians, you do it. Forgiveness, my friends, may bring enormous benefit to the person who gives that gift. According to a research, if you, you are likely to enjoy lower blood pressure, a strong in, in immune system, and the drop in the stress hormones circulating in your blood. There is benefit in forgiving somebody. C.S. Lewis once said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. My friends, despite the familiar cliche, forgive and forget, most of us find forgetting nearly impossible. We may forgive, but we don't forget, in other words. Forgiveness does not involve a literal forgetting. Forgiveness involves remembering graciously. You know, we cannot forget the past pain, the past hurt, the past disappointment, but you remember them graciously. You remember them in such a way that God will be pleased with you. You remember them in such a way that somebody who is affected will see the Christ-like nature in you and through you. Remember, my friends, that's only possible through the work of Christ on the cross. Because when Jesus called out, asking forgiveness for those who nailed him to the cross, he showed us compassion, and he showed us forgiveness. Right there on the cross, Jesus said it loudly, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. Take his example to those around you. Be Christ-like in your interaction with others today and through the new year. Show his heart of compassion by forgiving those who may have wronged you. Oh, my friends, that's the nature 
of our Christian spirit when Christ is with us. We say it every time we recite the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us as we forgive others. And consistently, God forgives us. And continually, we should be able to forgive others and to remember their sins graciously. As we begin the new year, on this the first Sunday of the year, I will say to each of us, we could go out and forgive those who have wronged us. The story is told, there was once a very poor orphan who wanted nothing more in the world than to belong to a family. Finally, his opportunity came. He was eight years old and the family wanted to adopt him. Introductions were made, papers were signed, and just six days after his eighth birthday, he left for his new home. He took with him his hope and his possessions, an old one and turned cloth he was wearing and a single soft toy. His new parents were excited to have him with them and wanted him to feel like one of the family. A special celebration dinner was held. He was given his own room and he was introduced to the other kids in the neighborhood. His new parents took his old clothes, threw them away, and bought him beautiful new clothes. They bought him a bike and they bought him more toys. And pretty soon, he began to feel just like all the other kids in the neighborhood, loved and part of a family. One thing, however, was curious. The young boy's old shoes. The ones with the big holes in them were tossed out with the rest of his place. His new father placed them on the mantle place. It wasn't long before the newly adopted son found out why. Because every time that boy did something wrong, his father would go and get those shoes and would say to him, look at all we've done for you. We took you in when you had nothing. But look at how you've behaved. Unfortunately, we do the same thing all too often in our relationships. We dig up the past and we throw it back in someone's face, never letting them forget how much they are in our debt. 
My friends, forgiveness means throwing out the shoes, refusing to dig up the past, and make it a reason for action in the present. What if you are encouraged by those words from Belinda Sullivan, our administrative assistant? I'm good and my car is repaired. Just thankful I'm not physically hot. Not extremely happy about the wayward driver that got away, but all is forgiven. All is forgiven. Go through this new year. Begin it with a spirit of forgiveness. And when you remember, remember graciously and let God be the judge. Happy New Year to each of us. Let it be a year of love, of peace, of prosperity. A year that is blessed by God, not only for us as individuals, not only for Church of the Cross, but for the United Methodist denomination. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, God's people say, Amen. Amen.